0: Welcome to the weekly message from Rhema Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. Father, thank you so much today as you help us to minister your word. I thank you for everybody here, Father, that you care about all of us and you have a plan for all of us. So, Father, thank you as we look into your word that the word is unfolded to us. And, Father, it helps us to know which way to go. Father, that it would be easy to understand and simple. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're on this series called Which Way to Go. If you're visiting with us, this is our last week, and then we're going to start a different series next week. You'll find out what that series is uh, by email. Uh, it'll come out this week and, and you'll know what we're going to get into next month but I can, I'll, I'll tell you the secret next month it's actually going to be about a seven week series it's called where's the, where's the Power Where is the Power or something like that and we're going to talk about power and where it is and I'm, I'm looking forward to that too but let's just review this one okay so here's, here's what we did if you're visiting with us this was what we did in week one <clears throat> week one we talked about the ways God talks to us And we found out that God talks to us through... He talked to us through Jesus, the foundational apostles and prophets, the Holy Spirit, spiritual manifestations. Week two, uh, four questions. uh, And those questions were, where am I going? Am I ready? Who is going with me? And what are the directions? Week three was the integrity compass. Integrity is on the inside. Integrity will lead us. All we need to do is yield to it. And then week four, the guide on the inside. And that was about voices and influence. The Holy Spirit is a safe influence, the still small voice, types of static when receiving guidance. So that's where we are, and those things go up on iTunes, and you can re-listen to them. Our notes, you can get our notes on Facebook, or we send an email out every week with the notes on, so if you're with us for the first time, you can get caught up if you want to do that by listening. And you can even get the notes and follow and listen to it right on iTunes and look at the notes while you're listening to it if you want to hear it again, okay? So today we're going to finish up on this series, and uh, I told you originally that we were going to do two weeks on the Holy Spirit, but I actually opened up the notes that Patsy ministered on last week, and when I was going through the notes, I thought she covered there's hardly anything left. No, it, she did, it was really good. My, my wife ministered last week, and so I, I was like, I got a lot more even myself after reading the notes, so I was praying and saying, Lord, she did some of the stuff I was going to do, so what should I do? So it just, and God is so good, it just came into my heart, uh, you know, eventually came into my heart like that. I got the f- the four points that he wanted to and it came and thank God when that happens so you don't just scratch your head and pull your hair out huh okay so here's what i felt like here's what i felt like we should do today and that's finding your place in the body okay so when we talk about which way should i go th- there's a lot of questions sometimes where people wonder am i in the right place in the body so that's a valid thing and so we know from last week what the functions of the Holy Spirit are, but let's talk about something really practical this week, and that's how to find your place in the body of Christ. All right, so here's so you know where we're going. This is what we're going to do today. Just four things. And so that, that's this. Is the effort to find our place worth it? You know, is it worth taking the effort to find your place in the body and then find God's hand, get under God's hand, and stay under God's hand. Those are our four points for today. So that's where we're going. So let's, let's start now, and let's start on the first one. So is the effort to find our place worth it? And, you know, when, I, when, I, when that came into my heart, I felt like the Lord put some other things there because some of you guys, you know, and, and a lot of people that aren't in here today uh, that might be out in this city, in this area, they've been church people for a long time, but they've gone through stuff. They've either gone through stuff in a church where they got hurt, or they got hurt uh, from a person, or they dealt with some big things, and they've been around for a long time, but sometimes the discouragement comes in, and then you can just have the thought, well, is it? I've done this before. I've I've been there. I've done that. I bought the T-shirt. Should I even do the effort again? So, you know, that's, that's a big question. Should we put effort into finding our place in the body of Christ? So I thought the best way to answer that is let the Bible answer it, because you wouldn't want to hear my opinions anyway, and, and what we really strive to do in this church is not give opinions out, but give God's Word out, okay? So let's go to Revelation chapter 1 and verse Verse t- uh, 20. And let, let the Bible talk, okay? So it says, the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So I underline the part that I wanted to stress here. You see where it says the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So, this, you know, this is talking about the church okay and then what's what makes it what, when we see how important the church is we have to go to revelations 2 and verse 1 now and look what that says it says to the angel of the church in ephesus right these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands now again i underlined something that's really relevant Okay, and I probably should have underlined that of him, uh, you know, him. Because the him is Jesus. I should have underlined that word, huh? Because uh, Jesus actually walks among the churches. And so I thought, you know, if we really believe God exists, and we really believe Jesus came and died and shed his blood, and if we really believe Jesus is the head of the church, you know, the... the the, the truth is, today, right now, Jesus is walking in the midst of the churches. I, I mean, so when you really look at it that way, should we really put the effort in to find our place in the body? Well, if you look at it through this, it's really important to God, that finding your place in the body of Christ because th- this is where Jesus hangs out. Jesus hangs out, and of course, when you go, you take him with you. But Jesus cares about the condition of churches. So if you're new to the Bible, I don't have time to get into it today. That's not what we're talking about. But the book, book of Revelations, uh, it addresses seven churches. And actually God is telling those seven churches what he liked and didn't like about them. And so even when you're a pastor, you go, whoa, it's like God. You know, you get a, you know when people come to church, they evaluate the church. And there's a lot of evaluation church critique going on with churches when people come, but man God himself is critiquing and evaluating because he wrote to the seven churches and he told them this is, you did this and this is good but then you did this, you know, and you think wow so when we talk about it this is where Jesus hangs out, God, God's watching, okay so I thought this, that Jesus doesn't walk amongst the corporations of the world he doesn't walk amongst the fortune 500 companies of the world and he doesn't walk amongst the powerful banks of the world, and I could go on, but he walks amongst the churches. This is the institution. This is, this is where it's at. So this is what God is watching. This is what Jesus is watching, church. He's watching it. So, uh, so with that in mind, we could say, at least get, start getting our answer. The church is really important, so it should be important to find our place in the church. All right? So here's something interesting, too, and I, I noticed this, uh, an, an Something out of the Gospels that Jesus, uh, you know, he doesn't really get into our excuses. Jesus isn't into, like, excuses from us. And, uh, and so I want to look at some scriptures, but listen to this really close. When, when I look at these scriptures, you got to make sure, and I'm doing my best to interpret them correctly, so here's what I want to say before we even look at them. We have to understand that the, th- the things that we're going to read right now There isn't anything wrong if we do the things. It's only wrong if we use these things as excuses. Does everybody get that? So what we're going to look at right now, it's not wrong to do these things. It's only wrong to use these things as an excuse. So let's go to Luke chapter 9 and verse 59. And look what it says. He said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God that's pretty serious isn't it? it's like Jesus is saying don't be using something that's a really big thing like a funeral um, and so, so here, what did I say? it's not wrong to go to a funeral but it's wrong to use these things consistently as an excuse that's what he's saying because I've gone to funeral I've done funerals <laughs> You know, I recently went to a funeral that I didn't do my wife did it, but I went because I wanted to show respect. But, but not to use these things as an excuse, okay? And then uh, look, look at the next word. Uh, still to another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Now, that's pretty serious, too. You know, but it, does it mean you just forget your family and, as the Italians do, go like that? I'm, by the, if you don't know, I'm Italian, so you know they go like that when, you know, never forget. We went to my parent when we were in Italy doing ministry. My mom, my mother and father came, and we went to visit our relatives in Calabria. And so they, we weren't prepared for this, but they wanted us to stay and sleep with them. And we, we didn't have plans to sleep with them. So one of them said, you know, stay here. And we said, well, we already made plans to stay there. So we, we never met them. It's the first time we ever met them. And they go, didi," which is some Calabrian thing. And they went like that. <laughs> we never, it's the first time we met them. Just only had about a half hour talk with them. Italians. I'm Italian, so I can make fun of the Italians, Okay. So, But but these scriptures, what it reminds me of, what what these scriptures reminded me of is a story about my father. And what happened in our family is, uh, my brother Joe got saved, you guys have heard it, I went to rescue him, I got rescued and I got saved, and then the rest of our family all fell, you know, and actually they all came in, a a group of them, because I had six brothers, so my mother and the rest of my brothers all fell at one service. They all got saved, praise the Lord. My father was the only one that wasn't saved. So then here comes the first Sunday, and we all go to a different church now. We, we left our, our denominational church, and all of us go to a, a Pentecostal church. And my father went all by himself to our denominational church. And we used to all sit on the front row, and he's all alone on the front row. You know, I could just picture him like this, you know. Uh, and, uh, and so, it, I don't know, it happened a few weeks, and he just finally got, he said, he was really mad because he thought we were in a cult. You know, because the way we grew up, if it wasn't our denomination, it was a cult. You know, they were the only ones. That's at least, and I know that it could be different around the world, but that's the way we grew up. And so, uh, he was upset about it. And so, I just said, well, you're going to have to get used to it because I have no plans to ever walk through the door there again. And please don't take it as being disrespectful, but I know that they never, they, haven't le- they never led me to Christ, they never gave me anything to help me, and I will never go through those doors again. You'll be there alone. And that might sound cold, but Jesus said, put your hand to the plow and don't look back. Here's the thing, a week or two later, my father came with us to church he came with us. You see what I'm saying? Cuz I know Jesus doesn't accept excuses and I wasn't going to turn back and go backwards. I went forward and my father knew I was going forward. He knew our family was going forward. He came to church. He came 3 weeks in a row. And guess what day he got saved on? Next Sunday is my father's anniversary. He got saved on Easter Sunday. And when he when they gave the altar call to get saved, he didn't put a hand up. He put both of them up. It was awesome. Uh, so anyway, that, so, so what am I saying? You know, Jesus isn't into excuses, so don't, don't use excuses like that on Jesus, like, you know, because uh, he's not really into them. So to answer our question, the answer to our question is this, is it worth the effort to find your place in the church? And I think what we see, that's enough for that. I think we can say yes, it is. So let's look at this next thing then. So, in the, so like finding your place, let's talk about it. So let's look at this, find God's hand. Now that's kind of weird. You we know, like talk about finding your place in the body and we say find God's hand, okay? Well, let's look at the scripture, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6. It says, humble yourselves, therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time, okay? So uh, notice this now. It, what is the hand of God, okay? So, It is God's grace or ability upon us, his empowerment to do his work for his kingdom. So let's just maybe do this, the grace of God. Picture this hand as being God's grace. So how do you define the grace of God? It says humble yourself under the hand of God. The grace of God is God's ability. So God's ability comes on us. God's ability, his hand is on us. We're under His hand. It's God's ability. It's His empowerment to do what He's called us to do. That's grace. Okay, so, so we sometimes look at people that are operating and doing things, and we think, well, that's so easy. I can do it. Did you ever do that? And probably sometimes when you do that, you think, well, that's so easy anybody can do that i can do that the reason it might seem easy to you is because they're under god's hand and they're under they're under grace and it seems easy because they're just not striving because it's grace okay that's why it is like that and uh and and so and then even we ourselves we know that when things are are not easy and we're striving we're probably trying to do things with our own strength. And we ourselves a lot of times know when we're not under the hand of God and we're not under His grace, okay? But let me say this. Paul the Apostle, you know, so this just came. I don't have this in my notes. This is just coming by the Holy Spirit. But Paul the Apostle, he got persecuted big time. And he was under God's hand the whole time. He was under grace. So I I don't want to leave a false impression. The Bible says fight the good fight of faith. Let's face it, when we get saved, there's a fight we're in. It's a good fight because we can't lose, but I don't want to leave the impression that if you're under grace, everything's going to be just a flowery bed of ease, you know, and you're tiptoeing through the tulips, because it's not like that in, in the kingdom, okay? Okay, so, so with that, though, let's, uh, let's pick up here and say a few things about it. Uh, the hand of God can be on us differently at times. So when we talk about what is the hand of God, well, even for each person, uh, you know, we could say this, we don't end up where we start. So when we talk about the hand of God, the hand of God comes on us when we get saved, but when we get saved, the way that the hand of God comes on us 20 years after that, it may be totally different. The first thing that happened to me when I got saved uh, was I I knew that I needed to find a church. And then I got in that church, and it seemed like for a a number of weeks, the first thing that was going on with me is I was hearing the Bible preached for the first time ever in my life. But it didn't take long for me to get involved in that church, and I'll say a little bit about it later. But if you ask 10 different people, if you ask 10 different people about... um, like this question, how do you find the hand of God? How do you find God's will for my life as far as church goes? If you ask 10 different people how that happens, you'll probably get 10 different answers. And so, you know, can we settle on something? So here's, here's some of the things that, you know, I know that, that you can deal with. Sh- should you wait for the pastor to come up to you and say, do that or do this? Should you raise your hand and say, can I do this, or, or should you discover it, or should somebody else come to you? Uh, then here's a big one. Is it passion, or is it an assignment? Now, you know, and sometimes, like, here's the thing. Paul had an assignment to do, and he was heavily persecuted. And I, I bet he wasn't saying, this is just my passion, <laughs> like a stone... Somebody's stoning him. It's just my passion to be an apostle pioneering the gospel in a religious land, and he's getting stoned. It was an assignment. And I want to say there's nothing wrong with passion, but I'm telling you, you can get really misled by passion because you, know, you can be excited and, and about something, but what's the assignment? Because... I remember that when my brother pioneered a church and I, I thought, well, hey, it was we just left Bible school and I went back and I said, hey, I'll do, I'll do children's church for you until you find somebody. And so I thought, just, they're just kids. I went, into, I went in there the first Sunday and it's like they backed me into a corner. It's like, and I'm like, oh. How i can't control these guys' help, and I thought well I, when I was in bible school i didn't I didn't go to the classes on how to minister to children. And I thought those are necessary <laughs> but then a children's minister comes along and you know and it's an assignment, and they're trained in their grace to do that, and they can take control of a room with children and, and they can bring them all into order you know and and I know that if you know but but hey, there's times when you minister to the children and you have a bad Sunday and the kids are all riled up. Maybe they got fed a bunch of sugar, you know, and, uh, and they're just, and, and, and you know, that's when you have to think, well, I, this is my passion, but that wasn't very fun, but it's an assignment, so we just don't run away from things, okay? Um, so another question is like, you know, how, so how, how do you choose? So i just thought i'd share this with you and and tell you what happened with me and i'm sure it's so different with everybody but as i told you we got saved and we went to our first church and let me tell you how i found the church when when the rest of my family got saved we thought okay next sunday so during the week i went to the yellow pages which they don't you can go online now for the yellow pages but and i think some of you heard this before i just went through looking at churches and i found a church being italian because i thought we all belonged to the same denomination us italians I found a pastor's name, he had the last name, it was Italian, Leone. And I, and I told my brother Joe, I said, there's actually a pastor in this city that pastors a church and he's Italian and it's not part of our denomination. And he said, let's go. That was like a comforting thing, like there's somebody else that's Italian that, that, that's in this thing. Because that's where we were, this is 30, over 30 years ago, Okay. So we, we, that's, we went to the church. But I called the church during the week, and I said, hey, um, the pastor answered the phone. It wasn't a real large church, so the pastor himself answered the phone. And I said, hey, I play bass guitar. We're going to visit your church on Sunday. You want me to bring my bass guitar along? <laughs> Never knew the guy. And he laughs, and he goes, son, he goes, leave your bass guitar at home and just come. <laughs> hey, I, di- I didn't know anything. I was like so green behind the ears. I thought, hey, I'll help you. I'll play, I can play bass. And he goes... And, and he told me a scripture, he goes, the Bible says, know those that labor among you. I thought, I don't know anything the Bible says, but okay. So I went to church, and I liked it, so we, we thought this is going to be our church. So I was consistent in my attendance, and, and, uh, and so I don't know, about a month or six weeks later, I ended up on the worship team. And so then on the worship team, they asked if I would prepare the group to do some special numbers. So, you know, this is 30-plus years ago. Does anybody here know who Andre Crouch is? Yes. Okay, so he, I liked Andre Crouch. So I prepared the group to do Jesus is the answer for the world today. Remember that great one? And, so, and back then, I was actually a lead singer. I think I've lost my discipline on staying in, on pitch because I haven't used it, but back then I was actually a lead singer, so I actually prepared the group, and I led the group on a Sunday night, and we did some special songs. While I was standing on the platform of this church, it it was about maybe 70 people there on a Sunday night, I had a vision, and the Lord showed me in a vision that I would be ministering music in front of thousands of people, and if you know my personality, that's not how I think. My, and my daughter's laughing because she knows my personality is I'm normally afraid of people. That's my personality. And I only do this because God called me to do this, okay? So I had that vision that I'll be ministering music in front of a thousand, thousands of people. And, and then you forget it. I forgot about it, you know? So then I feel called to go to Bible school, and I go see the pastor, and I tell the pastor I got... I, I, I'm going to go to Bible school. And he said, okay, you can have my blessing and all that. And he said, are you going to take your bass guitar? And, and I said, why do I want to do that? I said, you think I'm going to let them use me because of my talent? This is where I was back then. I, go, I said, I'm tired of people using me for my talent. I said, I'm leaving my bass guitar here. And the pastor goes, son. He's like, I'm still friends with him on Facebook. He's like 90 years old. He's a cool dude. He lives in California now. But he said, son. He said take your bass guitar he said that bass guitar will open doors for you that you know and you'll get around things that you wouldn't get around without being and i said okay so i took the bass guitar and after moving to tulsa by the month of september i was on the i was on the in a music group that and playing the bass for kenneth hagan and then we went to california on our first trip in a stadium with thousands of people, and I was playing the bass guitar with a stadium full of people, and then I thought that vision the Lord gave me at that first church, that vision came to pass like within two years or something, and and it happened. And so that's kind of like a testimony for me. But sometimes you think, sometimes if you, you wonder, if you don't get involved today, Will it help you out for tomorrow? And that's the question everybody has to answer because you just keep putting things off and putting things off and you just never get uh, engaged. But you gotta get, it's kinda like the guidance control missiles, like the military have guidance control. And those military missiles, you know, when they get shot up, that's when the guidance system turns on. When they're in the silo, the guidance control system isn't working. And I I think sometimes, that could be like that for Christians. If you're not engaged doing anything, you're in the silo, and and you, if you want to get that guidance control mish, uh, system started, you got to get engaged. So like even even if starting with prayer, I mean, if if everyone just even took prayer on even in their homes, that's an engagement. You're, you got your guidance control system. It'll start up just by starting to do some prayer. That gets the the, the control system engaged. Okay, so that's just some thoughts there. Okay, so, and then um, just just concluding on some things here. How do you choose? You know, we're talking about finding the hand. So the, here's some thoughts. The Lord can speak to you. The Lord can speak to you. You can put your hand up because you see a need. We just had that happen recently. We had some people, they saw that there was a need in children's church, and they didn't really, they don't feel called to it. It's not even a passion or anything, but they saw that we had a need in children's church, and they just put their hand up and said, "We're going to go help in children's church." You know Or you can be asked by a team leader. Sometimes a team leader of a team comes and says, "Would you be willing to do this?" That's another way to And, and, and here's the thing. most of the things that I did, I'm a senior pastor now, which is different, because if you're ahead of a ministry, then it's different. But anything that isn't ahead of a ministry, when I was on staff working for Kenneth Hagan, most of the, every, everything I did, it's because they asked me to do it. And then once I did it, I found out grace came on me to do it because they were in authority. So that, that can happen. A team leader can ask. And, you know, sometimes if we just say okay and start going, we'll find out that grace will come on us to do that, okay? And, uh, okay, let's talk about this. Uh, let's talk about get, the second thing, get under the hand of God. So let's go back and look at that scripture. and Now I, I underlined a different part of it. And so this part says, because uh, we first of all looked at the mighty hand of God, that's God's ability. Now let's look at this. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. So let's look at that part, humble yourself. So the way that you get under the hand of God is you, you bring yourself under it. So if this is God's hand, humbling ourselves means we, we bring ourselves under the hand of God. So here's, here's a, another story about getting under the hand of God. So I finished Bible school in 19... 19- 83, and the whole time I was uh, in Bible school. I was traveling around and doing this music and I was involved so in 1983 I finished and the Lord told me to go back to Ohio now when the Lord said go back to Ohio I'm in Oklahoma. I had my own plans for Ohio and my plans for Ohio was I was going to keep to myself because my Younger brother was pioneering a church and I didn't want to interfere with him So I thought I'm going to go back there, but I'm going to keep to myself I don't want to interfere with what he's doing. I don't want to have anything going on between two brothers, so I just stay away and let him do his thing. So I, I did that, but I went to a Wednesday night Bible study, and, and the Lord spoke to me at a Bible study that my brother was doing. That it was, He said, I want you to lead worship for your brother, and, uh, and I want you to do that. So I went up to my brother and said, the Lord told me to lead worship for you till you find a worship leader if that's okay with you. And he said, thank you. I I accept it. I really appreciate that. So I had different plans, and I wanted to stay away from my brother. Now the Lord is telling me to serve my brother, who's four years younger than me. So I did everything necessary to get a worship team together, and when he opened the doors, the first day that he opened the doors of his church, I was the worship leader, and we had church. But what I had to do is, I had to humble myself. The The Lord spoke to me and said, do that. I brought my hand under Um, I I brought myself under the hand of God. I brought myself under the grace of God. It was something I had to do. And then, on top of it, I was gonna go get a job, and so after the first Sunday of church, I went to see my brother on a Monday to tell him I thought he did a good job teaching the word on his first Sunday as a pastor. And he was in the auditorium straightening up chairs and picking paper up, and when I looked at him, the Lord said, I want you to be your brother's right-hand man I want you to clean this building from top, and I want you to relieve him of all that and just make it so he just pastors. You know, and he started off right away with 100 people. You know, he started, the first Sunday was bigger than that, but then after the thrill-seekers leave, he ended up with 100 people. Uh, you know, and uh, and, and so, so he already had 100 people really quick. You know? And uh, so, so he, my, the Lord said, I want you to be his right-hand man. I want you to clean the building from top to bottom, et cetera, et cetera. I had my own plans. I wanted to stay away from him. Now the Lord's telling me to humble myself and to serve my younger brother. And I just didn't know any better but to say, yes, Lord, and I did it. So we're talking about, you might have different plans, and it might not be a passion, but it's an assignment. And so I just said, okay, Lord, and I I did what he said to do. Okay, so that's what we all need to do. Then let's look at this last thing here and that's this. Let's talk about staying under the hand of God. So let's look at the scripture again and look at this. It says humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in the proper time. Now that's another part of the scripture. Now here's this is the reason why we want to stay under the hand of God because he is the only one that exalts. We don't exalt ourselves. So when we choose to stay under the hand of God, and somebody might say, well, how long do you stay under the hand of God? You stay there till he wants to move you. Now, let me say something about that. In a local church, sometimes somebody might serve in the children for a year or two, and then they, have, they move over to do another thing. It's okay. Okay, but, so, you know, that can happen. So I don't want you to take this too, get too legalistic with this. But my point is, how long do you stay under the hand of God? Well, you stay there until He exalts you. He moves you around, okay? So there's going to be things that uproot us. And I look at this. I want you to see this. You know, when we say we're going to get planted, there can be things that try to unplant us. So we want to look at that first image. And you see, you know, you know what? You see how she's frantically trying to pull that plant out, Okay? With, I don't know if you ever stopped to think about it, but the Lord brought it to my attention. I want you to look at this phrase. See, see what this says. There are enemies that try to uproot and move us out from under the hand of God. Do you know like there's enemies out there and the enemies will try to uproot and they'll try to move us out from under the hand of God? Okay, so let's just talk about some enemies and I'll, I'll help you out by letting you see it with, you know, see, see these things. So let's first of all talk about tried that, but it failed. Let's talk about that one, all right? So you tried that, but it failed. all right? There. <laughs> so you see that? That's the, like, walk on the water. Well you know, you can start walking on the water, and you're walking on the water, but then you sink. Now, isn't it interesting that, you know, that can be a thing where you, you, you're, like, I got really excited, say, I'll do children's church for you, Joe. Oh, sure, thanks. I go into children's church, and it's like, I tried that, but it didn't go too well. You know, and, uh, and so that can happen. It's like, anytime time we decide to step out, you know, when, when Peter stepped out of the boat, immediately, the first step that he took, he was doing the supernatural. Because walking on water isn't normal. And Peter's like doing the supernatural, and he actually started moving in something very supernatural, but then winds and waves, you know, they came. And, and here's the, the fact of the matter. Just like when I said, okay, I'll help at Children's Church, and those kids rose up, and I thought, these kids, these kids... I'm never going to have kids. That's what, that's, what, that's what made me think, you know. But, the, I, you know, like doing children's church, that's supernatural. And, and I start walking on the water like for two minutes, and then I was almost, after two minutes, I was like, ah, I'm sinking, help. But, but you see, it's like any time you start serving God, it's like there's grace. God's grace and his anointing and his abilities on you. And, you know, but then there's opposition that comes the wind starts beating on you, waves, whatever it could be, it comes in various forms, and you'll start sinking. So one of the th- enemies that try to keep us from, or get us out from under the hand of God is, I, I tried it, but it failed. Here's another one after that, fear. Because once you try it and it fails, then there's fear that comes, and there's, there can be a lot of different fears, a lot of fears. I mean, I, I had the fear of pe- speaking, in front of people public speaking was a huge fear that i had and and if i was going to get under god's hand i had to decide that i was going to be able to speak in public because it was something i never wanted to do you know and i thought you know it could give me a heart attack the way my heart would start beating thank god for his grace that i right now i'm sure my pulse seems pretty good i don't have any running i'm I'm feeling really good my heart's good and i'm up here in front of people and i'm not like so fearful but i i had to take a step and I had to get under the hand of God, and then he, he, uh, he takes care of it from there. But it, it's that first step. And then here's another one, ego. Now, you know, now that's what I used to look like. <laughs> but uh, that's back when I used to go to the discotheques. <laughs> but you see, you know, ego is the, the opposite side of the spectrum. And there's everything in between, but, but you got ego. You know, and ego will push you out from under the hands of, hand of God. And, and it, it, it can do so many different things. Uh, I'll give you a little example of ego. My position before I got married, uh, when I was working for Kenneth Hagan and serving in that ministry, I was uh the manager I ended up becoming the manager of that singing group that I told you about that I got in, and so n- now I have my own office, and i have I wear a shirt and tie and a suit coat and have my nameplate and all that stuff and and I have people that you know respect me, which at least I thought they did though you know and uh and those kind of things you know anytime you let those kind of things get too important and get territorial with those things. You're setting yourself up. So then uh, when we were gonna get married, our, in our marriage counseling, uh, we were married, counseled by the Hagans, and they said, you two are a little older. I turned 34 on our honeymoon. They said, you've been on your own for a long time. You're, you're used to going your separate ways. Our recommendation for you is Tony. Me, you get off the road and stay in town because I traveled all the time with that singing group. You should come out of that music group and you should be around your wife to work out your marriage. You guys need to mesh a lot of things out so you can get along because you're both kind of stubborn. You know, I don't know if they use that word, <laughs> um, but you're. I think they use the words we're pretty strong and we're set in our own ways. I don't think they use that other word, and they said you're going to have to learn how to you're going to have to y- learn how to yield to each other and get along. And so we thought that was good counsel, so I got out of the singing group. But I'm excited about being married, went on the honeymoon, came back from the honeymoon, and all of a sudden, I'm in a different place, and it's not like a suit and tie. It's like it's, it's working in a room, uh, putting Kenneth Hagin books in packages for eight hours a day. We got, we got ten-minute breaks and lunch. But for eight hours a day, you're putting books, putting the stamp, you know, the postage on there, the address, the label on there, the address label thrown in a big thing. Then at the end of the day, and we used to fight for that one, somebody got to drive the truck to the post office. I mean, they were big containers. You know, you had to have forklifts to take the books out and give them to the post office to get them in the mail. That was so easy because you get to drive the truck. It was something different and we would fight for that one because while the truck was going, the other ones were still working till the end of the day. That's my new position. It was in a room with only one window and and that window wasn't the outside, it was into a a warehouse, so you're thinking for eight hours a day I don't see sunlight, that kind of thing. And I, I put my resignation in within one week. I did it for one week and I put my resignation in. And I told Patsy, I said, who do the Hagans think they are putting me in that room? That's what I did. It's that Italian flesh, or maybe human flesh, I should say. And so I, put, I, I did it one week, and then the next Monday I put my resignation in. So I'm, Monday night I'm in bed sleeping, and in the middle of the night I jump up in bed, and it's so subtle that she wakes up and she goes, What's wrong? I go, I'm missing it. And she goes, I know. <laughs> I knew that. It, but she didn't tell me. She was just praying. So I said, I got to go in tomorrow and tell them I'm missing it, and I got to withdraw my resignation. She goes, Good, you know, that's right. So I did. I went in the next day, and I withdrew my resignation. What am I talking about? Well, I'll tell you what. Let's look at this next one. My ego was hurt, but then my e- when my ego got hurt, I got angry. Okay? I used to comb my hair back like that. But I, was, I got angry. Anger. That'll These things will push you out from under the hand of God. And then look, look at the last one. Look at embarrassment. So look a little... I was going to say who that looks like, but I'm going to be good, though. But, but you know, embarrassment. You know, just sometimes getting embarrassed, and, and just an embarrassment, like when you go out, you, you, you want to serve God, and you start doing something, and you get embarrassed, and then you think, I'm I embarrassed myself. I can't, I can't show myself in front of those people again. It's so embarrassing. And we, we just, you know, because if we don't watch it, we're led by our feelings, and we'll let our feelings just move and drive us and control us, and, and so we don't want to let anything push us out from under the hand of God. So here, here's, um, here's a statement here. Uh, many times, the best direction to take is to stay put. <laughs> many times, the best direction to take is to stay put. Okay. Okay. So um, let's just finish this up now. So let's go back and look at some scriptures real quick and look at this. 1 Peter 5 and verse 7, casting all your anxiety. So what are we doing? Here's a question. We're going to answer this question. How do we stay under the hand of God? How do you do that? So uh, this is all in context. So we saw humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. That was verse 6. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so he can exalt you in, in the proper time. Then the next verse, it starts telling us how to do that. How do we do it? casting all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you you know this this thing about finding your place in the body of christ it can bring anxiety to people you know it it, and unfortunately that kind of happens because we're flesh beings we're flesh and blood and we have a soul And we don't always, we're not always led by our spirit, and sometimes our flesh and our soul will act up. So the Bible says this is what you do you cast that anxiety. First thing you do, cast your anxiety on the Lord. So I remember uh, another thing that happened to me where I was belittled, which I, I didn't put a cartoon figure up for being belittled. By the way, I googled others, but I couldn't find some of the ones. But you can be belittled, embarrassed and belittled. So um, I'm at my brother's church, and some of you guys heard these testimonies before, but they're worth saying again. So uh, my brother preached on a Sunday night. Somebody kicked a glass off. It broke on the tile floor. I went to get a broom and a mop. I swept up the glass, mopped up the water. While I'm doing it, a sweet old lady comes up to me. Uh, the, she was so sweet, and she liked me so much she wanted me to marry her daughter. That's how much she liked me. And it's amazing how the devil can speak to somebody that likes you so much. And she said, poor old Tony, you went to Bible school with your brother. He's preaching, and you're mopping. And you know what? I was doing that out of the joy of my heart, and I wasn't even thinking about positions, titles. I was thinking God told me to do this. I, I'm so happy to do this. It wasn't a problem at all to serve my younger brother. I'm happy. And then now this lady does this big comparison thing, and she compares me with my brother. Now that, that was not, that, that, she belittled me, okay? And I went home, with a lot of anxiety. I had a little mini-vision, but I kept my mouth shut. The love of God constrains us. So there's many visions that you can have. Some of them are are in the spirit, and some of them can be in the flesh. I had a mini-vision in the flesh, and I I pictured myself pointing my finger at that lady and yelling at her, saying, you think I can't do what my brother does? I'll show you what I can do. That's what I wanted to do, but instead I smiled at her because the love of God was on the inside of me, and the love of God constrained me. But I went home very anxious, and I thought, man, people are really looking, they're really evaluating. I didn't know they were comparing me with my brother. I'm having, I was like really green behind the ear. I was a naive person. I just thought everyone was like me, and I found out everyone's not just like you. I'm thinking, they're actually comparing me with my brother. I mean, I'm, I'm really happy, because the Lord said to serve my brother, but they're comparing me, and they're, they're, they're doing it. I was shocked, I was anxious. And that's the first time that I used that scripture, and it helped me. See that scripture? Casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Look at the next verse. I just, and you know how I did it? I said, Lord, you, in your word, you said, I, I'm in your hand, Lord, okay, and, and, and I'm, I'm following you. I, I just cast my cares upon you. I trust my life with you. You told me to do this, and I'm not going to be worried about my future. And I don't care what anybody says. I'm going to keep doing what you said to do. That's how I cast my care on the Lord. Okay? That's, so, that's the first thing I did. Okay? Then look at uh, the next verse here. It says, be sober, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You know, what, what's that, the context of that? It's about staying under the hand of God. You know the devil, he's going to pry on you. And you know, when you get offended... Or you get angry or you get embarrassed or you do any of those things and you let, you let that drive you out from under the hand of God. It says, it says the devil's like a roaring lion. He's looking to devour people. People are like prey when they're not connected somewhere. When they're not under the hand of God, they, you become prey. For the devil. You know, we, we don't realize Jesus hangs out at the local churches. He hangs out at churches, and we don't realize being engaged in a church and being like, like there, there's, not, there's even protection in it. So he's saying, that it's like a roaring lion seeking to devour somebody. It says, be sober, be alert, because your adversary, the devil, he's looking to devour people. Then look at the next verse. It says, but resist him, firm in your faith, knowing, look at this, the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren in the world. What does that mean? Well, we know that God doesn't use sickness and disease to uh, to do on it. But you know what? We have solical. You know, you can have solical suffering, suffering of the soul. Your your ego. You get embarrassed. You know, belittled, angry. That's that's the experiences and the suffering that every every Christian has got that going on. And it tells us that right there. You. Our brothers, our sisters, they're all doing that same thing. So we resist the devil, we stand faith, we stand firm in our faith, and we don't let the devil push us out from under the hand of God. And then look at this next verse, and we're done. And then it says, "After you have suffered for a while, look at this: the God of all grace." Now what are we talking about? The hand of God is the grace of God the god of all grace every kind of grace you can imagine grace to serve god in every kind of way you can imagine the god of all grace after you what what is suffering what does that mean after you suffer stay planted the best thing to do when if you get offended if you get hurt stay planted don't let it push you and if you stay there and you just take your suffering Because I wanted to leave my brother and I wanted to put my finger in that lady's face, but I stayed there, I cast my care on the Lord. And it says, after you suffered for a while, the God of all grace, who called you uh, by His eternal glory in Christ, will Himself, what? Perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. I did a message one time, and it was about how to become a champion in God. You know how to become a champion in God? You decide that you're not going to let anything offend you. You decide you're going to stay planted. You, you decide you, you stay put. And if you do that, you know, God himself comes along, and he'll start working on the inside. He'll confirm you. He'll strengthen you. He'll establish you. That is one of the ways that spiritual growth happens, and you, you get to a place where, you know, then you can take a beating and keep on ticking. And I realized, you know, there was a course that God had before. I, I'm, I, don't, I don't know about guys that are young when they pass or how they can handle it because you're under fire from every direction you can imagine. But, you know, I've taken a lot of beatings, and I'm still ticking. You know why? Because I stayed put. I always stayed put. I always stayed planted. I didn't let myself get offended. Uh, and, and you know what? God came, and he did work on the inside of me. He strengthened me. He established me. It, it, he matured me. You guys understanding this? It's, it's a big thing. So, so you, we don't want to let anybody push us out from under the hand of God. So this is, this is just knowing how, which way to go, okay? So Father, I thank you so much for everyone that's here today. And I thank you that these words, uh, this message, Father, that you just make it so clear and it helps everyone to find your hand, to get under your hand, and to stay under your hand, Father, in Jesus' precious name. As we are getting ready to dismiss today, I just want to make you guys aware that um, we have a very qualified ministry team that is going to be available to pray with you for anything. Uh, Pray with you about finding your place. If If you don't know Jesus today, you're so welcome to come up here and the ministry team will lead you to Jesus. If, you want, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, you're so welcome to come up here and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Anything, they're here, and they're qualified. Okay, let's. Uh, as Felicia is coming today, let's, let's say this together. Say, I'm under the hand of God. Uh, well, let's, let's go back and let's do this, because some of you might not be there right now, but just say this. I will find the hand of God the grace of God for my life and I'll get under God's hand His ability His grace and then I'll stay under His hand I'll stay planted I won't let embarrassment anger fear failure any kind of thing push me out from under God's hand I choose to be planted. I choose to be led by God's Spirit and not pushed around by the flesh. Amen. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at at churchatrhema.org.au. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rama.org.au.